Welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. And today we are capping off the week in John chapter 10, one of my favorite passages. And it's often a complex passage because there is a lot going on and there is a lot that Jesus states in here. Um, probably very familiar if you're familiar with scripture. Um, you've probably heard this story, but it's often called the Good Shepherd. And Jesus, it's one of his seven statements in John where he says, I am. And these are clear identity statement issues that we have to address and understand why Jesus said this, because it often showed us a sign of him that would help us to relate to him in a very personable way. I always say that everything God speaks to us through his word is in terms of it forming us at a deeper level relationally with him, because God always interacts with us relationally. He doesn't just want to give us information to know about who he is, but he, he chooses to show us ways uh, in which we can relate to him. And that's what you're going to see here and why he calls himself a good shepherd, because to the people this was originally written to, they would have understand uh, or understood the word of what a shepherd was because it was very significant at that time. And so that's what we get to explore today and wrap up as we've been in John chapter four and seven previously on Monday and Wednesday, just looking at how um, Jesus tells us that if we are in relationship with him and in his kingdom, that rivers of living water will flow out of us and flow in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the woman at the well. Uh, we looked at this time where they were going to the feast and uh, what Jesus um, did in terms of revealing himself at this feast in John chapter seven. I would encourage you to go back and listen to those if you haven't already. So today we're going to look at John chapter 10 and the very significance of this statement that he made that I am the good shepherd. And you might ask, well, why is this important to us? And I hope that by kind of looking a little bit deeper uh, into this text, that it's going to encourage you, it's going to strengthen you. And what I really want to communicate and what I believe God wants to communicate in this passage is that he is a protector of our heart that he is concerned with the condition of our spirit, our heart, our thinking. And, and a shepherd is one that often protected his sheep. And so that's the image, even leading into next week that we're going to discuss. I know that uh, last week I said that we were going to dive into that this week. But as I spent time with the Holy Spirit, uh, he was just showing me that these three chapters would be essential into leading into next week, where I promise we'll get into uh, relationships and how they are formed either out of fear and love or um, what it means really in our transformation. Um, and two terms that I'll use are being a protector or being a predator. And we're going to dive into that next week and just um, really getting down into how relationships form, how we sustain them, and how they are really rooted in love when we're living inside the kingdom of God. So I want to begin this episode by just something that God brought back to mind of something that I watched on TV uh, called Can You're on Camden Camera. And one of the things that I remember seeing was this time where they had gathered several students who had gone through intensive study, and they really had set this whole thing up to where these students had been trained and educated for a certain period of time. 
And then they were bringing these analysis to really look at all the data, their scores and all these different things in order to help place them in society to be able to function around their gifting and their uh, passion. And so after a couple days of these students kind of waiting for the results, they were called back into this place. And uh, I remember one of the young men being sat down and he was excited. You could see he was eager. Uh, he had no idea that this was all set up and just candid. And the analysis guy uh, sits him down and says to him, okay, after all the data, after all the study, here is the number one thing that we believe that you are being called to do in the present moment. Looking at your test results, looking at your giftings and skill sets and the surveys and the questions that you've answered, uh, all this data is pointing you to one very clear um, destination. And he kind of paused and you could see the level of excitement and engagement. The student was sitting at the front of his seat. He just couldn't wait to hear, this is what I'm called to do. And he said, what is it? You know, could you share that news with me? And the man across the table looked at him and said, you were made and called to be a shepherd. And you, you could tell this kid when he heard that news, sat back in his chair and it almost looked like he didn't know whether he should celebrate or whether he should cry because it was the last thing on his mind that really he had no inclination of actually pursuing. And then when the analysis asked him, does this sound true? Does this sound like what's in your heart? And the student lost for words said, I'm not sure because honestly, I'm not even really sure of what a shepherd really does. And I've never even thought about being a shepherd. And so they let it play out for a few more minutes. And then they revealed to this student that it was just kind of a, a hoax. And um, I can't even remember what happened from it. But the reason I started off with that and the reason I asked the Holy Spirit, because I often know that if he shows me something, it's meant to be shared. And I just thought that might be a fun, creative way to start this episode. But Here's the truth in that, is that so many people during the time when Jesus came onto the scene and was starting to develop his ministry, they were expecting a king and a savior and a Messiah that was completely different than what was unfolding in front of them. And for many of the people, much like we probably would today in a leader, especially a worldwide leader that they were expecting to be delivered and set free from their bondage and what they had expected and anticipated about Jesus. A good shepherd was probably one of the last things that they would think of in terms of who he would be and what he was going to be doing because they were probably thinking that he would be a powerful king that would bring great armies around and deliver these people uh, in which they had been called uh, to be. And in John chapter 10, we've got to realize that these statements that Jesus made about himself are very significant. And we can't just isolate this story apart from the rest of the context around it. And in chapter nine, if you go back and read chapter nine of John, it talks about a beggar and it talks about the way he was being handled by the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And it was a blind man that hadn't had his sight for years. 
And so the disciples, Jesus, when he gets on the scene, the disciples were asking him, well, why can't this man be healed? Why is he blind? Was it because of something that his parents did and were in sin? Or was it something that directly was involved in this man's life? And Jesus says, neither. And he says, what is about to happen is to be a visual illustration and demonstration of who I am and what my kingdom is capable of doing. And Jesus heals this man and he gains his sight back. And the Pharisees are a little bit troubled, just like at any time he did one of his miracles or a great work that it often divided the people because some people had said believed and put their trust in Jesus and other people were skeptical and said he's demon possessed. So you could see that Jesus, wherever he went, always caused this level of tension. And it really helped people or um, challenged people to step into the reality of knowing that Jesus was the way and the truth. And that's one of the things I love about John and what he captures is that so many of the I am statements that are made about Jesus's life tell us something so significant and so profound about who Jesus was. And so that's where we're headed today because I want to read from chapter 10 and I wrote down some notes and I just want to highlight some things to you that I believe will be encouraging and that'll strengthen your heart today. And I would encourage you just to maybe read through this on your own and to see and write down the revelation that Jesus gives you about it. So in chapter 10, verse one, Jesus says this. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up from some other place on the stone wall, that one is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is painting the picture. And you got to ask the question too, why is he speaking in terms of uh, sheepfold and, and sheep and shepherds? Because at the time, people would have known, and this is what resonated in their heart, just like I found Jesus to be true today, is that he knows who you are and he knows how uniquely he's made you. And so Jesus often taught in, taught in stories and he would relate to them on their ground and at their level and giving them a picture and an illustration so that they could comprehend and understand. And there was a deeper truth often behind the pictures and illustrations that Jesus would use. And so that's why he often taught in stories and illustrations. And I found that to be true is that when I see things in the spirit, an image or an illustration, then God begins to unfold the meaning of it as I process it through the power of the Holy Spirit who leads me into the wisdom and understanding and knowledge of what Jesus is trying to share. So he says, he's talking about entering the sheepfold or this pen that was often uh, stone and brick around it and it only had one way and there was a door in which the sheep would be led in and out of that Jesus is about to explain. And he says, he is uh, the door. He is the, the shepherd who's going to open the door and allow the sheep to move out of and back to into the pen where they are safe. So Jesus is saying that he is that door. It's a beautiful picture of how we enter into relationship with Jesus. And through Jesus, we have access to his heavenly father and to stay connected to his heart and how Jesus really is the mediator between earth and heaven. 
He is the one king that ushered in his kingdom that was of a different world. In verse two, he says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the protector and provider. And I'm reading from the Amplified Version. And you're going to see as this unfolds that there's a distinction between a hireling and a real shepherd. And Jesus is going to say that he is the shepherd the good shepherd as well as part of his core identity. But catch that here. He says a thief and a robber sneaks around and tries to avoid the door. This has huge implications even for the way we operate. And going back to those two illustrations of the two kingdoms a few weeks ago, in terms of those who are leading us and giving guidance to our life, the one true person, which we saw earlier this week, who had no deception and who is totally righteous, was Jesus. And he's saying, I am that way. I am the way that, that can lead you into seeing and understanding fully who you are. But Jesus is saying that he comes through the door or the way that God has prepared him to enter into relationship with his sheep. And it's significant here. What do sheep represent? Sheep were often seen as weak or gentle or even skittish. And as you kind of know, the sheep represent us as human beings, is that oftentimes we are weak in life. We are skittish because when things get hard, we often try to avoid them or we turn the other direction and we're, we're gentle. That may not be something that you often see, but... Um, there is a characteristic about sheep that need to be led. And it goes to show that we as human beings need to be led. And we are either going to be led by the King of Kings, Jesus, or we're going to be deceived. And we're going to follow people that really don't have our heart and our best intentions in mind to empower us, to encourage us, to uh, allow us to become all of who God has made us to be. And that's the role of Jesus here. And I love what the Amplified says. He says that um, the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the protector and the provider. This are, these are two statements that we're going to talk about next week. But Jesus provides for his sheep, and he's also a protector. And when we spend time being protected and being provided for, then we become like the shepherd that is leading us. And we are able to have greater influence and greater impact on the lives around us. Earlier this week, I just shared and I keep coming back to that whole concept of intimacy leads to our identity and our identity uh, produces the impact and the influence of our lives. In verse three, the doorkeeper opens the gate for this man and the sheep hear his voice and pay attention to it. And knowing that they listen, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out to the pasture. This is an incredible statement of what Jesus does. He says that Jesus opens the gate and his sheep know his voice and pay attention to it. Throughout all of history, Jesus has known the names of his people and he's called us, and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. He opens the gate, and he leads us out into the pasture or the places that he has called us to do, and a lot of our lives is learning to build trust in who he is, in trusting his leadership, 
in beginning to receive his love because a shepherd loves his sheep and is going to protect them and provide for them at all costs. And we see that's the core of who he is. Doesn't just say that he's a shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. And a good shepherd has the best intent for his flock, for his sheep, for the hearts of us that are equated as being his sheep. And it says that they know his voice. So what does that guarantee or promise us? That the shepherd speaks to his sheep. That's the way that the sheep felt safe and secure. And they would only follow the voice of the shepherd that had been leading them. That's a great illustration of our lives. No matter what voice we're following, it's a voice that we hear. It's the voice that's speaking meaning to our lives. And what better way than to have the God of the universe speaking through his son, Jesus, in our heart, leading us, guiding us. And he says that he knows that they listen. So Jesus knows that the ones who are obedient and trusting of him are listening to his voice because they don't know and they don't have a direction of where they're supposed to go. So they lay down their life and they trust their shepherd. And he knows you by name. He doesn't just know about who you are. He knows specifically your name because you were in his heart when the whole world was formed and even before the world was formed. You were so closely in his heart at that time. And in verse four says, when he has brought out all his sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and recognize his call. This just simply goes back to know that we can know his voice. And if we're following his voice, the real shepherd in times of trouble is going to go out and he's going to walk ahead of his sheep so that his sheep feels safe. Because I've often found in my life that Jesus doesn't ask me to lead somewhere that he hasn't first gone. So Jesus is a leader by example, and he's going before his sheep because he knows that if things come about, He's going to protect and he's going to provide for those that need to be provided for and protected in his care. And it says they recognize his call. They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. Jesus often taught in a way that they didn't always catch it in the first um, go, go about. But Jesus is saying here that they won't follow, that we won't follow a voice of a stranger. If we know his voice and became, uh, become intimately um, aware of his voice is that we won't follow a stranger and we won't fall prey to those who are deceiving and in preying on us as predators, which I'll talk about next week. And this is what I find that was very interesting as well, that if you go back into the Old Testament, there was a lot of imagery and examples that gave us about shepherds as well. And the thing that was fascinating about me is that there were a, a lot of different sheepfolds that had different shepherds that would meet in these central locations and they would water, they would feed their sheep, and then they would keep them there at night and they would take turns watching them. And this is another key about what shepherds did is they laid at the door of the pen that these sheep were kept in order to protect them. 
because there was one way in and one way out. And that shepherd wasn't just going to go off and hope that his sheep were safe for the next morning. But they took turns and they watched each other's sheep. And when they left in the next morning and departed, the thing that I was fascinated with is, well, wouldn't those sheep be confused and they wouldn't uh, be able to follow the shepherd that they were following? But here's the beautiful thing that I found is that a lot of times the shepherds were leading their uh, sheep out of the pasture. They would sing and the sheep would become acquainted with the shepherd's voice. And it wasn't just talking, but it was singing. And each shepherd had a unique voice and a unique sound. And I think that's a beautiful image because I, I believe it's in Zephaniah 3.17. Or yeah, Zephaniah 3.17. It says the Lord sings over us. Guys, the Lord's song is sung over us. And we get to recognize because a song is soothing to our natural and physical brain. And it connects and integrate parts of our brain that are relational, that helps us pull meaning together. And song is a way where we experience God relationally. And as we experiencing him relationally, we have meaning and we have words that this shepherd loves me. And by singing to me, he's leading me. And I'm building a deeper sense of trust in his name. That to me is a great image is that we all come from different places, but we're in the, in the presence of God together and in community, we recognize his voice. And as we're sent back out into the world, we begin to listen for that song, listen to his voice, and our heart responds out of gladness and out of joy because we've experienced the protection and the provision of the good shepherd. Amen. <laughs> I hope that's good news to you. So Jesus, when they didn't understand, always takes it a little bit further because he knows that we're um, limited in our understanding at times. And he says, all who come before me as false messiahs and self-appointed leaders are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep do not hear them. I am the door and anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture, spiritual security. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. That to me is such great news and it just lights me up and gets me so excited if you can't tell already, it's that kingdom of light and life that I've talked about that distinguishes his kingdom and the leaders in those kingdoms, because the good shepherd is always going to lead us into pastures. And I love what it said in verse nine, it says that anyone who enters through Jesus will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture or spiritual security. This is how Jesus forms secure attachment with us, is that he leads us in and out. You see, I've come to find that there is a rhythm to our lives between the practice of experiencing relational joy, and I've defined joy several times throughout this season, of someone that is glad to be with us so that we are connected, that we feel relationally bonded to another person, from the time we're born, we're looking and desiring for attachment. 
And Jesus says he'll lead us in and out. So there's this rhythm of being joy being built between the child and their parents, between us and God. And as we experience joy, we need to pull back and quiet. This is a great ebb and flow in our lives of experiencing joy and then being able to quiet with each other. Another great example that I heard from one of my dear friends was of a child being on a swing. If you can imagine being a child, I love swings. And there's the ebb and flow of once you start out still and in peace, you're pushed or you begin to pump your legs and you start to swing forward and back. And this is like the rhythm of our lives and how we partner with the Holy Spirit. There's the joy that we experience relationally and being connected with other people like going up. And then there's that time of coming back and in the perfect center, there's that stillness, there's peace that we're at where we need to be, how we were created to be. And then we swing back and we experience that joy again. And there's that constant rhythm of building joy and then quieting and rest. And that's the image he gives here as the good shepherd. He leads us out into the places of our lives, into relationships, whether that be the workplace, whether that be coaching, whatever you're called and gifted to do, he leads us out in joy. And then we need to come back and we can quiet with him. So the father leads us in and he brings us back to himself. This is a great image of how we build safe, secure connection with him is we trust him in going out, but then we also realize that we need to come back and get filled up and to just be in his presence. It's that being and doing relationship. You see, we come back in and we quiet and we're just still before the Lord, just be. And then he sends us out to be his presence, to carry his presence, but life gets on us quick and we get overwhelmed and he invites us back in so that we can rest and he can give us what we need for the next thing that's ahead. And I love verse 10, been one of my favorite verses. It says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If there are things in your life that are taking away your ability to to give life and to receive life from other people and to be a source of encouragement. Those are things that are of the world's kingdom, of the enemy, because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How many times have I known people who have been seeking after uh, fulfillment in real connection, and then they come to find out that it's a false hope, it's false relationships, not ones that you can trust. And the next thing they know, the enemy has stolen something precious from their life. He's robbed them of experiences. He's robbed them of the dreams that are in their heart. And he's stolen a part of their identity that has been wounded or hurt by the world or by people themselves. But Jesus says, I come, I come as the real source of life in light into the world. And notice what Jesus said, his mission, his identity was this. He says, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance to the full, to the point where it's overflowing. And I love this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep, but the hired man who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, 
when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away. And the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. This goes perfectly into what we're going to talk about next week and why it's so important for us to know and to see God as the good shepherd. Because when Jesus enters into relationship with us, he fights for us. He's fighting for that space and contending for space for us to be with him, to be formed in his presence so that he can speak life into us, so that he can love us when maybe people, everybody else isn't speaking life or feeling, uh, extending love to us or encouraging us. He always will because he is the good shepherd. And he says, those who really care aren't in it for the benefits of wages or money or promotion. It's not focused on their self because all throughout John's uh, gospel of John, Jesus said, I was not self-appointed. I'm not seeking anything, but I'm seeking the kingdom of my father. And I'm being faithful to the mission, which was to restore us and to redeem us and to reconcile us back to his father so that we could live in relationship with the holiness of who God is. That's great, incredible news. And that's ministering to my soul. And I believe and hope that it is you as well, that it's bringing strength into your heart. Whoo, man, our God is a good God, a good shepherd. Sometimes you got to teach and preach to your own heart. And I feel like that's what's happening to me. And I'm believing that it's going to be a blessing to you. Because if you've had people in your life who've been like the hireling, when times get crazy, they, they, they run for the hills. They want nothing to do with it because they don't have your heart and your interests at mind. But Jesus doesn't. When everybody else runs out, Jesus is running towards you with his arms wide open and telling you how much he loves you. He's reaffirming your identity in you. And he's going to rebuild the foundations of your life. And he's going to help you recover and restore and he's going to lead you into something so incredible if you'll just trust him with your heart in those hard times. And he reaffirms and he says, I am the good shepherd. And I know without any doubt, those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep personal relationship with me. That's verse 14. And I want to assure you of that is that the one true God knows you. And he says, my sheep know me. Even as the Father knows me, Jesus says, and I know the Father, and I lay down my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. That's the sign of a good God. When I talked about the king and the most precious thing to the king's heart of this kingdom realm is his people, is his sheep. And he says it right here. He says, this is what my life is about. I laid it down, not to gain the praise of his people, but he said so that I could redeem them and restore them and bring them home on that day when I'm coming back for a spotless bride. Jesus says, I laid it down, my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. And then he makes a place for others. He says, I have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold, but I must bring those also and they will listen to my voice and pay attention to my call and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me 
because I lay down my own life so that I may take it back. You see, Jesus had all authority and all power, and he came into the world to take back his life after he laid it down. Who else can say that in the world? That Jesus alone had the authority to come in and to lay his life down and to take it back. And that's the beauty of everything that's happening here and what Jesus is revealing about his true identity. That sounds like not only a good shepherd to me, but a gentle, loving, and incredible, great shepherd who has our heart in mind that laid down his life because he had such radical love for you and me. And he didn't just end with me and you, but he ended so that other sheep from other folds could come in. But he, remember at the beginning, said that this, were welcomed into his sheepfold only through Jesus, only through the door. There's not many ways, and this is a bold statement, and I'll be bold today. And I fully believe that Jesus is the only way. Because he is the door. He is the access point to everything of his kingdom. And there's no better way. We can't go around him. We can't climb the wall. We can't try to find the back door in. But Jesus says, you can come to me. I am the door. And it's entering into relationship. He doesn't block the door. And he's not some God that's going to keep you out or let you in based on what you can do. It's like becoming a sheep. Sheep are pure. Sheep are peaceful. And sheep are looking to be led by a good shepherd. Does that not represent who we are and how God sees us? He sees you as pure. He sees you as peaceful. He knows that you need leading. And he's saying, here I am. I'm the good shepherd. I love you. I'm going to lead you in. I'm going to lead you out and I'm going to walk with you. And I'm even going to go ahead of you. And when there's danger, I'm going to come back and I'm going to save you. I'm going to protect you. And there's no way the enemy is going to snatch my sheep because he says, I know them each by name. A good shepherd knew the unique characteristics of every one of his sheep. He knew their weaknesses. He knew their strengths. And when a weak one was going off astray, he would often go out and leave the rest and he would go and find that one and he would carry them on his shoulder and bring them back into fellowship with the rest of the sheep. That is a beautiful depiction, friends, of what the good shepherd is in everything that Jesus is encapsulating through letting us know a big part of his identity. I'm going to end this episode by just giving you a few examples in my life of how I've experienced Jesus being a good shepherd. Earlier in this season, I shared a time in my life that um, really about five years ago where I had a lot of healing work that I needed to let the Lord do in my heart. And I talked about um, one week the encounter of how Jesus interacted with me and brought healing and meaning to the journey. And I talked about how I went out to Colorado and how I had a session where the Lord showed three distinct images and how he tied so many of my life experiences together. And I'll, I'll just share this one really quickly as well. When I came back from that week, 
I was at a point the following week where I was in my uh, living room working out early before my kids got up. And it was a hard time in life. I was broken. I was worn down. And I was really crying out to the Lord to restore me and redeem me. And I was listening to a song, I believe it was by Shane and Shane. I don't remember the song. But during that song, often what happens to me in worship is I give my heart and I turn my heart to him. I'm driven to my knees. And I just began to weep that morning. And I can remember kneeling down over the edge of my couch with my arms stretched out, just crying out to the Lord, crying out that I'm sorry that I've betrayed you. I'm sorry that I've walked away from you and, and engaged in these things that I know you're purifying me from. I'm sorry for the people that I've hurt. And the Lord began to show me the heart of those that were directly involved in my life and how I'd hurt them. I felt like so many people in my life misunderstood me and what I was going through. And as I was kind of had this image in my mind of people misunderstanding me and just kind of moving on with their lives. And I felt like I didn't have a lot of people in my life who were willing to stand with me in it and to see me in it, who would love me in the mess, who would love me in the brokenness. And I was crying out, just hurting that morning. And I just all of a sudden asked Jesus, where are you in all this? Could you help me perceive your presence in it? And within an instant, I had this image of Jesus standing behind me and he was this large figure. And I just, in my spirit, in my mind's eye, I saw myself looking back at him and there was the gentlest look of fire and depth and warmth in his eyes, just looking me in the eye. And I just sat there for a moment, looking into the eyes of Jesus and I saw his compassion, I saw his mercy and it began to birth life in me. And then Jesus just simply said this to me and asked me a question. He said, Eric, can I come near? And you see my heart melted because he had every right just to move forward, but he asked for my permission. He honored me in the fact of where I was. And he said, can I come near? He didn't force himself upon me. A good shepherd doesn't, but he wants you to know that you're safe, that he's safe. And I said, yes. And as he came around me, I still had my back to him, but I'm, I was looking at him. So this image where I'm just knelt down on the couch, it's like I could see him moving in behind me and the image of his arms just being around me and over me, covering me. And he just came over me and put his arms around me. And I felt completely safe and secure in his arms. And I heard him say this and deep in my heart, he said, Eric, if everybody else walks out on you in this season of your life, and it may feel like they are right now, he said, I'm with you to the end of time. And I'm standing here with you and I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, Eric, I love you like a son. You are my son. You are my child. And I'm going to stand in you with this. And my heart just melted. It absolutely melted. And I felt validated. I felt affirmed. This is what a good shepherd does. He led me back to himself. And he gave me an experience where he affirmed everything that was within me. And he said, Eric, this doesn't change who you are. Just because of the healing work I'm doing in you and the purifying I'm doing. He said, I still see you the same. And he said, I love your heart. I love your identity because I created it. 
every person that is made in my image, which is everyone, has their flaws, has their weaknesses, has their failures. But it doesn't mean that I don't love them all the more. And I'm going to love you in this, and I'm going to make you into something that's just absolutely incredible beyond your wildest dreams. And I'm going to restore you if you'll allow me to. And he said, Eric, I know you'll allow me to. That day, I felt the love of God like I had never felt before. In my weakest moment, in my darkest time, he walked in and he made that attachment between me and him so much more tangible and real. And so I want to encourage you today with that, that Jesus will walk in. And I had planned on sharing several other examples, but maybe I'll save those for next week about how I've personally experienced God as a good shepherd. And maybe for many of you, you felt like you haven't been able to experience him that way. I want to invite you in to trust him at a deeper level. And really read this. Because what he says about himself as being a good shepherd, I believe he will lead you into greater intimacy with him. I'm going to put a song in this uh, description called Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin, one of my favorite songs. Because it's one of the real, true songs that it's really about God's identity of who he is. And he says, I am a good, good father. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who he is. And then in that song and in the chorus, it says, and I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Talking about our part. We are loved by him because he is a good, good father, a good shepherd who cares deeply about your heart, your well-being, your wholeness, your restoration, your redemption. God loves you so incredibly much. And I promise you, he'll come around you just like he did me that day. And he'll reassure you. He'll validate you in everything that you're going through. And he'll show you a way of how he wants to walk with you in it. So be encouraged today. And I pray that you'll come back next week because I'm excited about what God's put in my heart about relationships and how they're either formed in fear or in love and how God moves us in this process of our transformation from being predator or of the flesh into being led by his spirit in which we now become protectors of other people. You see, when the good shepherd leads our heart, it changes us at the core of who we are. In my perspective, on relationships and community is radically different as I've encountered the good shepherd because what it's created in me is the ability and the desire to create safe and secure places in my leadership, in my own family, and in my own home. I'm trying to protect because I had an example who did that for me. And in my leadership and the core of who I am, I desire to be a shepherd as well and to lead the people around me the way a shepherd was, always going out before them, being willing to lead them in and back to the Father so that they could rest and feel safe and secure and loved. 
So I pray that this episode blessed you and I pray that the reality of this identity in which Jesus gives us would become true and tangible in your life that you begin to experience him as a good shepherd. So God bless and God strength today. We'll see you next week.